Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, the Anthony Edwards player preview for the season. What did Ant improve on the most last year? What does he need to do this year? And just how high is the ceiling for Anthony Edwards? I, I'm going to go there. We're going to talk about it. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody, and a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Now is a great time to get it. On both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, you can get all the Minnesota podcasts. Lockdown Vikings, Lockdown Golden Gophers, middle football season, Lockdown Wild Wild off to a good start to the season. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, at uh, at B Beacon, and that's two B's, two E's, C K E N, and also at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. We're going to be once we get into regular season next week. Yes, uh, we'll be live tweeting some games. We'll be a bit, um, you know, engaged during those games, talking about what, uh, you know, after each game, kind of a quick like, here's what the post game pod will be all about. A quick change this year uh, to postcasts. We'll talk about that actually as we get into next week. Uh, so I'll explain all that too. Uh, today on the show, though, I want to talk all about Anthony Edwards. I want to. I, I'm aware that I want to address that the league pass rankings came out on ESPN, which is a, a fun thing to go through every year. Also, John Hollinger at the Athletic put out his rankings. A lot of folks are talking about where the Timberwolves were in his projection for the West. I want to do all that Monday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, which is opening night for the Wolves. We'll do a bunch of preview stuff, uh, predictions, talk through some of those different rankings. The Ringer updated their player rankings. There's so much of that content right now. But I have to do the Ant Player preview. Next week, though, I will give my a final official prediction, Western Comfort standings, Wolves win total, all that good stuff will be next week. All right, let's talk about Anthony Edwards. And I saved him for last because, well, for obvious reasons, right? His ceiling is one of those things I've been afraid to like really put words to because he really could be that great. And there's this weird dichotomy, and I'm going to start with this mini, um, mini speech about his uh, perception. Right. I think right now there's this weird national perception that Anthony Edwards is better as he currently is that than he actually is, right? That he is a better player right now than he actually is. At the same time, given all that chatter, all that talk during the FIBA World Cup and, and every all the 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 puffing up of Anthony Edwards that the national media and, and folks in the industry did, yet still so many of them are picking the Wolves to barely be a playoff team in the Western Conference. And it's like both can't be true. Because you're ignoring the fact that Carl Anthony Towns only played 29 games last year, and, and and I'll rant a bit more about this next week when we get into Western Conference rankings and where I think the Wolves will finish. But I think that that is a pretty good example of everyone's excited about Ant because of what he could be and how close he is. Like if you told me, like he wasn't an All NBA player last year, he was he made the All Star team. Um, and he, you know, that's where he is now, right? He's got to make another mini leap to make an All-NBA team. And that's when you're truly one of those best 15 or so players in the league. And he's on the precipice of doing that. But if he does, he could bust all the way through 
and legitimately become a top five player in the next year. Right now, he's not. He's not all that. I don't want to say he's not close, um, but his body of work to this point is not the resume of, of a player who you could say is a top 15 player. But it could happen at any moment. If everything just continues to click and then just just ultimately settles right into place, we're talking about a, an absolutely generational talent. And one of the guys, and I'm, I'm forgetting on uh, who it was, and I feel bad, but one of the guys on uh, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota show, which, by the way, the last audio episode in this feed was that show, the Minnesota Basketball Party, uh, that we do with Reggie Wilson from Care 11 and Ron Johnson of the Ron Johnson Show and Jack Borman of uh, Candace Hoopis, and then also Sam Ekstrom from Lockdown Sports Minnesota. One of those guys made the comment that Anthony Edwards is a bald head away from cosplaying Michael Jordan at this point, given his the way he plays, his apparel, his demeanor, etc. Uh, he's maybe a little bit of a happier Michael Jordan. But, um, like, it's not... I don't think it's sacrilegious at this point to say that, like, his best-case comp is something in the realm of, of the greatest player of all time. Like, that's the absolute best case. The percentage chance he gets there is very, very low. But it's time that we stop dancing around that and just saying that... His athletic ability, his scoring touch, his defensive ability, his desire to be great, and the fact that he's still so painfully young, it's not crazy to suggest that that is his potential best-case scenario. The odds that he gets there, again, I want to repeat this, are very slim, but there's a really good chance he becomes a perennial all-star, perennial all-NBA player, and he's that close to doing it. At the same time, the way the national media reacted to him over the summer was as if he was already there. And it's because we're always looking for that next best thing, right? He did not make the leaps in year three that I wanted him to make. 12 months ago, you go back and listen to the season previews last year. I was asking for a John Morant-like year three leap, obviously on the court, right? Uh, if you saw that ESPN feature on Ja come out the other day, it's sad. Uh, the whole thing is is really sad. And hopefully things get straightened out with him in his personal life. And, and Memphis does a, well, I don't know. Hopefully things get straightened out. Um, on the court. John made a leap in year three and did not make that same leap. Now, he inherently has a leg up because he's a far better defender, he's a better shooter, and he's bigger, right? So, of course, Ant has a leg up in general. But John was better in year three than Ant was last year all as an all-around player because he was so dominant offensively. And we did not see that same level of consistent offensive dominance from Anthony Edwards in year three that John Morant showed in year three. So today, I'm going to dig into some of the numbers and show where he did improve. I don't think there's any question he improved last year. He certainly got better in a number of areas, and we can see that tangibly. There's also some things that are less tangible in terms of they didn't always show up in the numbers, but that doesn't mean they didn't happen, right? The eye test still matters. It's the combination of the two. And then along with that, what does he have to do next to cement himself as an all-NBA perennial top 15 player in the league this season? And uh, what's next? Like, what what could that do to both his ceiling as a player and also the Timberwolves' ceiling um, as an organization? So I want to spend the bulk of the show talking about those numbers. Um, and I pulled some some good stats from B-Ball Index. I want to talk about why those numbers look the way they do. So that's what, how we'll spend most of today's show. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Jace Medical. If you're not familiar with Jace Medical, they provide the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Why is that important, do you ask? Well, because of the uncertainty in everyday life. Obviously, right now, I mean, you just go back a couple years, 
pandemic, etc. Always unrest around the world, supply chain issues, reliance on China related to the supply chain. And currently we're talking about the crazy, the unrest, the really sad situation going on in the Middle East, uh, the fires in Hawaii, um, the hurricanes that we've had, like natural disasters on top of pandemics, and of course, human-caused disasters like what's happening in the Middle East, um, if I could sum it up that way. Uh, the Jace case is something that you know that you have that will keep you uh, keep you and your family safe when it comes to medical needs. Again, a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics. They offer customization customization for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. You can choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Uh, it's really, really easy. All they do is, is you can meet with a, uh, a physician if needed. Otherwise, it's filling out a form online to get access to the Jace case. Simply go to jacemedical.com. You can enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at jacemedical.com. That's spelled J-A-S-E medical.com. As we head into the travel season this fall and winter, it's a great time to do it. One more time, jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for a $20 discount on your order. All right. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, on Friday, we will do the postgame pod from this evening's preseason finale. The Wolves are in Chicago to take on the Bulls at the United Center. And uh, it sounds like most of the starters are basically everybody, probably except for Jaden McDaniels would be my guest, will play significant minutes because the Wolves don't play again for six days. So those guys have to get a little bit of on-court action, and then the Wolves will undoubtedly take a couple days off, have some practices early next week. We'll do the post-game pod on Friday, and the next week it will be prediction season here on the show. So get excited for the next week as we hurdle towards opening night next Wednesday in Toronto for the Timberwolves. All right, let's keep talking Anthony Edwards, and there is plenty to talk about regarding Ant and where he improved last year. I pulled the numbers at B-Ball Index. If you're not familiar, it's a great site, bball-index.com. They have they pulled together a bunch of advanced metrics, et cetera, and then also some proprietary stats and things like that. Uh, and it's it's a really great subscription service. Um, last season, and let's just start here because three-point shooting, I think, is one area where he clearly improved, but there's so much growth to be had. And this is, by the way, uh, going back to my pie in the sky, but yet... In the realm of possibility, Michael Jordan comp. Obviously, Michael Jordan never shot the volume of threes that Anthony Edwards will. Uh, completely different eras. And uh, while MJ was a good three-point shooter, Ant has the ability to be an absolutely, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, like I'm not talking like all-time shooter, but like a well above average shooter, more than just a volume shooter. Um, and I think we saw some, some movement in that direction last year. Now, he shot less threes last season. Uh, in terms of his three-point rate. Like, his three-point rate was way down last year. Two years ago, he shot over 48% of his field goal attempts were threes, nearly half. Last season, it was down to 37.5%. And frankly, I think he should probably be somewhere in between. Um, The good about his offensive game last year, his free throw rate went up pretty significantly, and he continued to make his free throws at a reasonable rate. He was down a little, but over 75%, and we can live with, you know, the upper 70s in terms of free throw percentage. Free throw rate went up, three-point percentage went down a little bit too much, and mid-range shots went up a little bit too much. So that balance is, is you know, better that he got to the rim more, better that he got to the line more. A few more threes and a few less mid-range is kind of where we want to settle. Now, his percentage of three-point makes was much higher. He made almost 37%, 36.9% of threes. That's up from 35.7 the year prior. 
much higher, up 1.2%. Remember, as a rookie, he was under 33%. So he's up 4%, four percentage points from where he was as a rookie in terms of three-point shooting. But if you take, if you drill down a bit further, he continues to shoot almost two-thirds of his three-pointers as pull-up shots, as pull-up threes, as not not catch-and-shoot, right? Inherently, catch-and-shoot threes are a much more successful proposition than pull-up threes. Now, because Ant has the ball in his hands so much and he is so dynamic, we know he loves shooting pull-up threes. Last season, 64% of his three-point attempts were pull-ups. What did he shoot on pull-up threes? Thir- essentially 34%. Uh, 33.8%, which is pretty good for pull-up threes. Of course, league average overall in threes is around 36%, but 34% on pull-ups is 67th percentile, according to B-Ball Index. That grades out as a B, so better than two-thirds of the league on pull-up threes. That's not a bad number, and it's up from the year prior, and that's why we saw the three-point increase, the overall percentage increase. Two years ago, he was just 32.5% on pull-up threes. He improved that by about a point and a half. And that's kind of where we saw that overall increase of 1.3% in his overall three-point percentage. But he shot a few more pull-ups despite shooting less threes overall. And he improved a little on pull-up jumpers. He's still 42% on catch-and-shoot threes, which is like Mike Conley territory on catch-and-shoot threes. But he always has, the, I should say always, he almost always has the ball in his hands. And that's that's where you see that, that uh, dichotomy, right? So only a third of his three-point attempts are catch-and-shoot, two-thirds are pull-ups. Um, and that drives that number down a little bit. So shot selection needs to improve a little. Still, B-Ball Index gives him an A-plus in terms of his overall three-point effectiveness because he's such a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. The degree of difficulty on his threes and also his range all play positively. In fact, his openness rating was an F, which is an estimate for how many of his three-point attempts are open. An F in the one percentile which means Ant never shoots open threes. Ant never shoots open threes, right? Because guys are always in his space. But he's making these high degree of difficulty threes. Uh, What I would ask the Wolves to do this year, and of course Ant should have the ball in his hands more than anybody else. He's so dynamic. But could they run a couple of play sets a game where Ant's running off screens and they tell him, and maybe they are, they just drill into his head, hey man, catch and shoot. Like, they're going to be trailing you, and there's going to be guys in your space, but just catch and shoot. You can rise up over them and shoot these threes. Catch and shoot, you know, curling around a screen, coming off a pin down, um, out of sideline out of bounds, elevator doors action, whatever it is. I know it's tough because it's not like he's just run-of-the-mill shooter. He's not like Matt Ryan with somebody kind of haphazardly, um, that's not the right word, half-heartedly trailing him through around screens. I know guys are going to be glued to Ant, but run some actions like, like what the Warriors do with Steph Curry, right? Steph is... It's easier said than done. Steph is probably the best in the league at navigating um, space without the ball, getting you know around and, and through screens on his own end of the floor to get himself open. And the Warriors run some great actions to get Steph catch-and-shoot threes. I'm not saying Ant is Steph, but he's 42% catch-and-shoot threes. He never gets to shoot open threes. Think about how good he would be overall in terms of his three-point percentage if he gets a couple attempts a game where he's just catching and shooting. And I know his reaction when he comes around screens is, if he's not 100% open, I'm going to pump fake, and then I'm going to drive, or maybe I'll shoot a tougher three. But just drill into his head, hey man, get some open looks off of these actions. Squeeze the trigger. You're going to be you're going to be a phenomenal three-point shooter. You're going to go from very good to great in terms of three-point percentage if you can get a couple more open threes per game. Uh, last season, his finishing rating 
uh, which is what it sounds like, being able to score at the rim through contact, et cetera, in the paint, went up to an A-plus at Bebel Index from an A the year before. His playmaking stayed solid at an A-minus. And a side note on that, his assist rate went up last season because the ball was in his hands more often. We know that. Um, and also, that ticked upwards even more after D'Lo was traded because the Wolves just ran more... Um, I've used this comparison before, and it's not apples to apples, but think Utah Jazz from a few years ago with Donovan Mitchell, who is really more of a point guard. Donovan Mitchell was initiating offense. Mike Conley was standing in the corner. Gobert was doing his thing. Well, now you have Conley and Gobert in Minnesota, and Ant um, at this moment isn't necessarily better than Donovan Mitchell was in that moment, but his ceiling is absolutely higher. He's, I think, way more dynamic than Donovan Mitchell um, in terms of being a true three-level scorer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all that to say, Ant had the ball in his hands more. Conley was spotting up more. We saw the assist rate tick up two percentage points last season, and it was up from his rookie to sophomore year, up three points. So right now, his assist rate is up almost five percentage points for where it was as a rookie. And along with that, of course, the turnover rate rose a little, but a 13% turnover rate to over 19% assist rate for a two-guard is more than palatable. Like, that's not a big deal. His usage rate was effectively 30% last year, which is really high, but it should be because of who he is as a player. So all of that's okay. And again, according to B-Ball Index, those playmaking numbers in general all stayed pat, which is totally fine. And we see the assist rate tick up um, as he gets the ball in his hands more often. I'm very curious to see what that mix looks like in terms of Conley initiating versus Ann initiating this year. Um, but that'll be something to, to kind of track. Isolation defense, I want to spend a second on that. That came through as a B-plus this year at B-Ball Index. And um, in general, I've talked about his defense improving. I think uh, I should also say along with that, his defensive impact, which is a little more nebulous, but basically takes all the defensive numbers at B-Ball Index, that improved from a C-minus to a B-minus. I think there's two things he improved at the most last year. One, on-ball effort when he was guarding the point of attack and dealing with screens. So I guess more concisely, ball screen navigation. Ant wasn't allowing himself to get picked off last year like he did a couple of years ago where he developed some bad habits cough, D-Lo cough, um, where it just was like, okay, you can screen me and I'm going to, I'm not going to fight through this. Last year, Ant wasn't having that. He was getting through ball screens with regularity and staying attached to his guy when he was guarding the ball. I also think his off ball defense improved slightly incrementally. We absolutely still saw those, um, those moments of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Floating isn't right. That's more of an Andrew Wiggins thing. Um, where he was almost distracted, like not, he got caught ball watching and got back cuts on him or, you know, just didn't get out, you know, uh, lackadaisical closeouts, things like that. There was some of it last year, no doubt, but it was absolutely improved from year two. And I think that helped raise his overall defensive level. He's not at an all defense level simply because you can't fall asleep ever if you're going to be an all defensive player. Like you got to be locked in all the time. Part of it is as much energy as he expends at offense, it's going to be really tough. I mean, that's why two-way players like, say, Jimmy Butler are so hard to come by. But when Ant is on the ball and locks in, how many guys are better than him in the league as an on-ball on perimeter defender? Not very many at all. And B-Ball Index, you know, if you drill down a bit further, it talks about his perimeter, perimeter isolation defense, um, on-ball perimeter defense in isolation was 75th percentile to B+. So like Jane McDaniels is an A+, right? Um and the Wolves have a couple other guys that rank a little better than Ant. That number needs to tick up a little bit. But I mentioned ball screen navigation, 93rd percentile for ball screen navigation last year. And it grades out as an A at B-Ball Index. So backing up what I said, Ant gets through ball screens. 
he can guard the point of attack. The problem is if he's off the ball, he can find himself out of position. Say he's guarding um, not the point of attack, but he's guarding a higher usage wing, a scoring wing, a high usage player for the other team. And he gets himself out of position and then sometimes struggles to close out effectively, uh, can get put on roller skates or doesn't contest a three or gets beat on a back cut. Some of those things happen sometimes to him still. If that could be short up, we're talking about a true two-way superstar. And clearly, again, the numbers show he improved last year in that regard. I want to talk about one other area that Ant clearly improved last season and then talk about what he needs to do this year to take that next step, be a little bit more in the weeds on what that needs to be, what that needs to look like. We'll get to that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's right. That's just two, or that is $200 in bonus bets by placing that $5 bet win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. We are in the midst of football season. I said this the other day, October's probably my favorite sports month. It's either October or March, but right now you have the start of basketball. You have the middle of football season, both college and pro. You have baseball playoffs. You have the start of hockey. It's everything right now in October. It's the perfect time to get on FanDuel. By the way, we'll talk Wolves win total next week. We talked about it on the Minnesota basketball party on Wednesday. Uh, I I'll, Spoiler, I'm hitting the over on 44 and a half at FanDuel for the Wolves this year. There's a wide range of betting options over at FanDuel, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, a couple more points on Anthony Edwards to close out the show. One other area where he clearly improved was rebounding. And I know that that's, we don't talk about that often with Ant, right? But what's one of the biggest issues that we talk about with the Wolves? Defensive rebounding. It's been miserable for years. Last year, even bringing in Rudy Gobert, who is the reigning uh, rebounding king in the NBA, They were a bottom three rebounding team. Last season, though, Anthony Edwards was one of the few players who took a step in the right direction. He went from, according to B-Ball Index, defensive rebounding from a B-minus to a B. Offensive rebounding, he declined a little from a C to a D, but I care less about that when it comes to Ant because he had the ball in his hands on the perimeter more. Defensive rebounding is what really matters in that regard. His overall rebound rate, which is a little bit more obvious to understand, right, Um. Two years ago, he was only 12.5% on the defensive glass. Last season, last season, he improved to 15.9%. That's nearly a three and a half point increase, which is a huge increase. He increased his overall total rebound rate from 7.5% two years ago, which, by the way, had dipped from his rookie season, to 9% last year. Is that a big deal? Well, I'm going to say yes, especially for a team that's so bad on the defensive glass. Like, I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, but the incremental change matters. And if you want to look at it this way, more traditionally, rebounds per game improved by one whole rebound per game last year. And, you know, obviously that matters. Over the course of a game, a single defensive rebound could be the difference between win or lose, right? If we want to be a little over dramatic about it. But this team last year was 26th in defensive rebound rate. I think the year before they were 28th in uh, defensive rebound rate. You look at individual players, Anthony Edwards and I would say Nas Reed are the only two that significantly improved on the defensive glass last year. Gobert was fine. He wasn't as good as he had been two years ago in Utah. Uh, Garza played limited minutes, was good in those minutes. Towns was down a bit when he played, but of course he was hurt a bunch. Kyle Anderson was down where he'd been for his career. Who else is grabbing rebounds for this Wolves team? Ant was next up. Like you pull out the guys that barely played. Gobert was number one in total rebound rate. 
Nas was number two. I'm going to take out Towns and Garza because they each play less than 30 games. I mean, Nate Knight played 38 games. He was number three. And then you had Kyle Anderson would be number four. If you, So Ant is fifth on the team in total rebound rate last season. Or you take out Nate Knight, he's fourth. That tells you how bad the bigs rebounded the basketball and how bad the guards rebounded the basketball. Jaden McDaniels was 7.1% last year. Ant beat Jaden McDaniels. He beat Alexander Walker. He beat Torian Prince, who's only 6.2%. Ant's improvement on the defensive glass was tangible last year, and it needs to stay that way. I'm not saying he's got to average a triple-double. I'm not talking, you know, OKC, Russell Westbrook, or any of these other... Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that defensive rebound rate has to stay where it was last year is fine. That'll play. But if it ticks up anymore, that's even better. But like, if you want to look at it, rebounds per game, he should be in the neighborhood of five and a half to six and a half boards per game overall. And most of that's going to be defensive rebounds. Um, that matters over the course of a season for the Wolves as a team. And that's kind of one of those next frontiers for Ant. The next one would be shot selection. We talked about this a little bit towards the beginning of the show. But last year we saw his shot attempts in the mid-range go up and we saw his threes go down. We also saw him attempt more shots at the rim, which is obviously a good thing. Um, let's see. So last year, his percentage of shots that he attempted within three feet of the basket went up by about a point and a half. So that's good. We saw the free throw rate go up significantly. That's good. But we also saw him shoot uh, between 10 and 16 feet. He he went from two years ago, he shot five and a half percent of his shots from 10 to 16 feet. Last year, it was seven and a half percent. So that went up by uh, 2% more of his shots. The bigger one is between 16 feet and the three-point line. He more than doubled the number of shots he attempted from the 16-foot line to the three-point line. So long twos. The the long the mid-range, long mid-range twos, or however you want to, I guess long twos is probably the best way to say that. And we saw the three-point rate come all the way down from 48% to 38%. So 10% of Ant's shots. So in a given game, you know, I mean, how many how many shots a game did he shoot last year? He shot, he attempted basically 20 attempts per game. 19 and a half field goals per game. So if he shoots the ball 20 times in a game, that means two of those are coming from the 16, from the long two range. That's too many. Like you could deal with maybe one a game. And I know, again, I know it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but if you could take one of those two long twos and make it be at the rim or outside the arc, we're talking about massive increased efficiency over the course of the season. And also not to mention what that does for the Wolves' offense, spacing-wise, getting to the line more often. Like, say that's a, an attempt at the rim. Maybe it's an and one. You get to the line. Maybe he gets fouled and he gets to the line uh, for two free throws. Like, just those shots, there's very little upside. And yes, Ant is good at them. We, we know he's good at those shots. Um, like, let's see, what was his percentage? Well, actually, it actually went down a little bit last year. He was only 35% from 16 feet to the three-point line. And I know that it's... I know it's the Kobe shot, the MJ shot, the Kevin Garnett shot, and, and I don't want to go full get off my reverse get off my lawn here about this, but 35% shooting from long twos. What was he from threes? You remember? 37%, 36.9% for threes. So he shot a better percentage outside the arc than he did on long twos. You don't even have to do the math on that. Um and factor in the three-point, the shot being worth 50% more from outside the arc, a three-pointer versus a two-pointer. Clearly, the three-pointer is a much better shot. I'd rather him take another pull-up three every game than another long two. I'm not saying it needs to be completely eradicated from his game. I'm just saying the shot selection can continue to improve for Ant. And if he could just have one more attempt at the rim or one more attempt outside the arc and one less attempt on long twos over the course of a season, 
that's going to bear fruit for Ant individually and and in turn then obviously the Timberwolves as a team. So my my I guess if I could say three things about what Ant needs to do this year. Number one, stay locked in off ball defensively and keep doing what he did on the ball. De- sorry, defensively, not offensively. Uh, stay locked in off the ball defensively and do what he did last year on ball defensively and he'll be he's got a shot at all defensive team this year seriously and and that'll help him get to all NBA of course number 2 continue to improve on the defensive glass um don't fall into the Andrew Wiggins trap of floating uh get in there grab a board cuz you're big and athletic and talented um and understand how to play bat like a smart player just just do that and that's going to keep improving you uh, overall as a player and then the biggest thing the biggest thing is offensive shot selection. He's a, a plus three-point shooter. He's a plus player at the rim. He's plus at getting to the line. He's an all-around plus offensive player, but he could be a plus-plus offensive player if those those long twos get trimmed back a little and maybe those the percentage of his shots that's coming from outside the arc come back up a little bit. The number of shots he got at the rim last year stay the same. Um, we're talking about a... a He's already a dynamic three-level scorer, but a, potentially a generational scorer for Anthony Edwards. All right, that's all we have for you today. Friday, the post-game pod from Bulls-Wolves on Thursday night. Next week, we're going to get into prediction season, win total projection, Western Conference rankings, a couple of individual player projections. We'll look at the most recent, uh, the John Hollinger uh, thing that's out there with saying where the Wolves will finish, which is much higher than a lot of other folks thought. The Zach Lowe League pass rankings at ESPN. We're going to talk about all of it next week. Wolves. Uh, Raptors from Toronto next Wednesday night. It's happening very soon. A lot to get to before then. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.